Hey, Christian, guess what? What's up? So me and Ashley, we got into it this week. Okay. Uh, also won $20 off the deal, so let me go ahead and post that as well. So <laughs> okay. we're sitting at dinner, me, her, and the kids. Okay. We all finish up. Jackson finishes up. Emma finishes up. Ashley asked me to clear the table. Had to get a run and start, but I did it. <laughs> Roll it. This is my welcome. This is my invitation to invent the hidden rooms inside my heart. Hey guys, welcome back to Project Unify. Really, that didn't do it. That didn't do it. I think he tried too hard. I think he didn't get it. I think he tried way <sighs> no, too hard. No, he got it. He just has no sense oh, no. of humor. Plus, I was pl- kind of trying to, to not laugh because I knew how much you really cared about this joke. And <laughs> it was just... I think so you're tried. just here to crush my heart. Kind of. All right, we're going to find a new <laughs> intro into the to the podcast now. But guys, we welcome you back again tonight. We're back on the series of The Church. Tonight, we have a special guest with us. Her name is Megan Crawford, or as I remembered her, Megan Montgomery. She is an old school friend of mine who has grown up and also in the ministry. And we'll get into to her story here in a minute. But uh, we just pray that this, this episode can be a blessing to you give you a better understanding of a different form of ministry in the church because after all that's what we want to do so uh megan we thank you for coming today thanks for having uh, me we just at this time we kind of want to just know a little bit about you you know what church you go to what ministries are you into a little bit about your testimony so if you want to go ahead and start well the floor is yours all right ears all right that's a lot i'm like you want my testimony everything my Biography. Story. All right. Your debit card number. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll send that to you later off, off you know, the record. Yeah. I'm B positive. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I go to Open Door Church. I'm in the children's ministry there in the preschool department. Um, right now they have me over the preschool department making um, the lessons and everything, preparing all of that um, for twos to five. Um, I also have a independent ministry called Raised Up that the Lord put on my heart, um, I don't know, like over a year ago now, which um, the main goal of that was sharpening others because the Lord put on my heart, like if the blind lead the blind, then they both fall into the ditch. And um, that there's a lot of moms out there or grandmas raising kids that they aren't being sharpened. They're not being encouraged. They don't know the word. They don't know their identity. They feel um, very bombarded raising children because it is hard. Like my husband calls them tiny terrorists. And I'm like, you <laughs> know, accurate. sometimes that's pretty legit. That's so, accurate. you know. <laughs> tiny terrorists. Uh, yeah. So, hey, he was he was in war. He knows, man. So, um, anyway, the Lord put that on my heart of like, man, there's people out there that need to be encouraged and need to be sharpened and need to be edified. Um, so, do that. Um, he had given me a dream like years ago and it was that um without going into the whole dream it was that my job was to prepare his daughters for his return for his dance for him coming back and um when I started going to open door my pastor pastor Troy was talking about um alignment for your assignment and Mm -hmm. that when you are in the right place then the Lord will use you and I totally forgot about that dream until he was preaching on that and I was like oh wow and then not long after I started going there, um, the Lord started giving me dreams about being in the ministry there. And I was like, okay, God, yeah, you're going to have to do that because I'm not going to tell anybody anything. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to just be like, oh, hey, yeah, I will be like, you know, 
so good at this or the Lord's telling me this. I didn't want to come off as like manipulating and trying to make things happen. So I told God, listen, if this is what you want to do, you're going to have to show people that. Hmm. And um, it wasn't long after that, that one of our pastors came up to me and actually laughed at him because I thought he was kidding. My kids were like running around like, you know, children do. And it was after this meeting one night at church and he said, hey, um, I want to start this new mom's group. And I think I'd like you to lead it. And wow. I was like, ha, I was like laughing at him. He's like, uh, what are you, what are you laughing about? I'm like, you're funny. And he's <laughs> like, he's like, I'm That's like awesome. serious. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. And it was like my heart sunk like, oh God, like, man, you did it. Okay. And, um, he was like, well, go home, pray about it. You know, talk to your husband. I'm like, yeah, man, I'll pray about it. And, um, I talked to my husband about it and he's like, well, you know, what's the Lord telling you to do? That's what you need to do. And I'm like, okay. Cause I guess like part of me was kind of wanting him to be like, no, honey, you don't have time for that. Or, no. you know, some type of excuse of why I couldn't do that. Cause I'm like, you want me to lead a ministry? Like that's crazy. God, come on. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's kind of how the mom's group started in the next morning, like that night in my heart, I was like, okay, God, if you want to use me in that capacity, then I'll do it. And it wasn't long before that, that the Lord started putting on my heart to do these Facebook live videos. And I'm like, this is so nerve wracking Mm -hmm. because I'm going live to speak in front of these people. And I'm like, just fully dependent on you, Lord, to speak to me and tell me what to say, because I don't want to lead anyone away from you or speak my own opinion. I want it to be all you. And um, so I was like super nerve wracking. But the next morning after that night, when I was like, okay, God, I'll let you use me in this capacity, whatever you want to do. The next morning, the Lord um, gave me this lesson and talking to me about like, you know, Adam in the beginning and just all this great stuff. And I'm like, wow, okay, I guess that's you. And so I got started doing that. Um, And that's very different. Now we used to do like once a week meetings as moms and stuff. And um, we have play dates and things like that. And just times to fellowship and get together. And um yeah, all this stuff that's been going on, everything is very different now. Mm-hmm. And it is now a independent ministry of my own. So we still do play dates and I just speak, you know, when the Lord puts something on my mind with my kids or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I do there. And my testimony, you would probably love to hear that because you probably remember me like crazy party girl. I, I love to hear and just to, I guess to make you feel better. The first episode, we shared our testimonies. Now, mm-hmm. he comes from a Christian family. His father was a youth pastor. Now he's a discipleship pastor. He was raised that way. I was not. That's awesome. Me neither. <laughs> we, we were wild teens. Yeah. So, and I think, honestly, with listeners, it's good to hear that redemption story about sure. how God can really move yeah. in our place. Because the way we were when we were teenagers, we should not be where we're at right now. Right, you know, totally. But by the grace of God, it just shows God's love and grace for all people because he can take people from all walks of life. Uh, a line I like to use is, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the call. Yeah. yeah. And we are, I mean, not to toot our own horn and stuff like that, but we are examples of that. You oh, know? for sure. It, it's more believable that he would go into the ministry, no offense, yeah. than it would be someone like us. You're but right. It just goes to show that 
it doesn't matter where you come from. It's a matter For sure. of who you, who God wants you to be and That's if right. you answer that. So share your That's testimony. Good. It's yeah. it's an amazing thing. I love it because, um, you know, Paul's like, man, I'd rather boast in my weakness, you know, because it brings glory to God. So that's how I think of it. And, you know, the word says that we're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So it's like when we share the testimony, even when it's ugly, like that's helping somebody. That's, yeah. that's showing somebody the overcoming power of Jesus. And, you know, like you said, redemption, like what they can have. Like, man, Jesus can do this for you too because he's not partial. Right. Like you have no idea where I came from, you know. Yeah. Um, it's funny too because you tell people your testimony. They're like, "You did what? You're kidding!" And yeah. Like, oh yeah, that's yeah, that's just a little. Um, but yeah, as you know, I was uh, on drugs really young at like 13. My parents got divorced, and um, I used to think when I was a kid like I wanted that because they were always fighting. My dad was an alcoholic, and um, when he was around, it was ugly. So I always thought as a kid I wanted my parents to be divorced. Because I had friends, their parents were divorced, and I'm like, man, I wish it was like that. Then I wouldn't have to deal with this drama. Yeah. So at 13, my parents did get divorced, and that was, like, life-changing for me. It was terrible. Um, I had always thought that would be good, but um, it was terrible because the way that it happened, like, my dad wouldn't talk to me for, like, years, and if he did, it was really ugly. Like, what kind of trouble are you into now? And cussing at me and calling me names and stuff. It was so bad. This is... I praise God my dad is not like that anymore. He's born again. He's actually Amen. in his um, praise band at his church, and he's totally different. It's awesome. Amen. Totally different. He's amazing now. But he was not like that when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, so anyways, at 13, my parents got divorced. I started smoking weed, um, doing cocaine not long after that, and drinking a lot, and lots of other things. Um, so when I was 17, I got arrested which go figure, you're going to go on that path. You're going to get in trouble. Yep. Um, so I had moved away to Irving in like my freshman or sophomore year from Cleburne and um, started hanging out with the wrong crowd, you know, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, so at 17, I got arrested and I always believed in Jesus, but I didn't follow Jesus because I had seen some stuff when I was a kid. I'm like, listen, I know Jesus is real. But the only time I ever prayed was like, God, don't let me get caught stealing this. Don't let me die doing this. Like, don't let my mom know that I did this. Like, it was never a sincere prayer of his will or his heart at all. It was like, oh, God, help me. Get me out of trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Get me out of trouble. This is going to suck. Um, so when I got arrested um, at 17, I went to real adult jail. Because in mm-hmm. Texas, you're now an adult. So yep. even though I was very much a kid... I was with all these grown women, mm-hmm. and it was terrifying. And um, some Two of the weeks things. After I turned seventeen, I caught one. Dude, it was so scary, and the things these ladies were saying to me, I was like, "Oh God!" So I went back to my cell, and I'm like crying my eyes out because I called Cassie, mm-hmm. you know, Cassie, and she was still like my best friend then. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you got to get me out of here! These ladies are crazy," and she's, you know, here in Cleburne, yeah. and that's like over an hour away. So she's like, okay, okay, I'm going to go to try to get money for your bail. And um, so a few hours later, I called back and her mom's like, no, she's still gone. She hasn't got any money. Nobody's given her anything. I'm like, no, because my my uncle, who is an ordained minister, came to talk to me while I was there. And at first they're like, Montgomery, your pastor's here. And I'm like, I don't go to church. What are you talking about? I thought it was like the jail pastor. And I see it's my uncle. I was so embarrassed. I didn't even know he was an ordained minister. And he had told me, because he's like, what's going on? And so I told him what had happened while I was there. 
And um, he's like, well, if you're not out of here in the next hour, like they're going to transfer you to Dallas County and then you're going to go to rehab for up to a year. And I was like, no. So I went back to my cell and was like crying my eyes out, like sincerely to God for like the first time, like, God, please, please, please get me out of here, please. Like, this is not the life that I want for myself. I do not want to end up like these ladies. Please help me. And um, after like an hour of like nonstop crying, um, they, cover, they come over the speaker and they're like, hey, um, someone's here to post your bill, but under one condition. And I'm like, sure, what? And um, they tell me, well, if you go live with your aunt and uncle, then they'll post your bill. And I was like, ah, oh, crap. Because they were like the crazy Christians, you know? <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, they have no fun. I don't want to go live with these crazy people. Like, you know, I don't want anything yeah. to do with church and their weirdo stuff. Like, God, man. I was like, okay, well, it's better than being in here. Yeah. And they're in Glen Rose. So I was like, okay, at least it's close to Cassie. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's close to Cleburne. So I was like, all right, all right, I'll do it. And um, so I knew that God was the reason that I got out of jail. But I was still very selfish and like, just get me out of here because I don't want to be here. Yeah. And um, I remember that night at their house, this was a Saturday, and I said, listen, you guys got to take me to church or like give me a Bible or something. Yeah. And they're like, well, why? I said, well, I know that it's God that I got out of here. I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been out of jail. I know that it was God. And my uncle said, well, are you born again? And I was like, what? What's that mean? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he said, well, you know, have you given your life to Jesus? And I said, well, I believe in Jesus. And he said something that has stuck with me till this day. He said, well, the devil believes in Jesus. That was all he said. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I'm not right with God. And it was like the Holy Spirit hit me with such strong conviction that wow. I was like, oh, man, I could die right now and go to hell. And that would be justified because I have not followed Jesus at all. I, yeah. Out of all the little I knew, I'm like, I know the devil's not going to heaven. And I know that my uncle is right. He does believe in Jesus. That's why he leaves when the name of Jesus is spoken. Yeah. You know? So um, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not right with God. Like it just hit me like a ton of bricks, wow. you know? And um, my uncle said, well, do you want to be? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm a mess. Like I have no idea what to do with myself. I don't, I don't want to end up in jail again. Like I don't know how to help myself apparently. And um, so he's like, okay, we'll say this prayer with me. I was like, all right. And I don't even remember what I said, um, but my heart was in it. Like I believed every word. I was totally committed. And um, afterwards, it was like this weight was taken off of me. Amen. And I seriously felt like I was high. But in a way that was different than drugs. Like I felt yeah. new. And I just felt totally different. And I remember my aunt saying, Megan, are you okay? Because I was just sitting there like, this is so weird. I feel so different. Mm. Like I'm a new creation, you know? Yeah. And um, I was like, uh, yeah, I kind of feel high. Like, I whispered it. I'm like, I know drugs are bad. Like, I don't know what this is. And she said, well, Megan, that's the Holy Spirit. And I was like, oh, I didn't know he was a thing or, like, real or yeah. anything. Like, I just knew the Catholics, you know, yeah. do yeah. the cross thing and say Holy Spirit. I didn't know, like, there was a Holy Spirit, really. And um, so that's kind of where I come from. And, um, yeah, in that moment, it was like the Lord just took all the desire for me to party, all the desire for the drugs, everything in an instant, and all my friends were like, you're a weirdo. Yeah. Like, what happened? What do you mean you don't want to go party anymore? Like, what are you talking about? You don't want to drink anymore. What's wrong with you? Um, so after about a year, that really started to get to me because I'm like, man, everybody thinks I'm a narc. Nobody wants to talk to me about Jesus. 
And I was just so um, uneducated. Like you, Christian, you were brought up in the church. So you probably knew to be in the world, but not of it. But I had never heard that. And I didn't know that. And I thought, well, if I'm going to reach my friends for Jesus, I'm going to have to be like them. And so before I knew it, I was like, okay, well, I'll start smoking weed every now and then. And, you know, it's fine because that's not going to be my God. And before I knew it, I was totally backslidden. Hmm. And it wasn't until um, I got pregnant with my son in like 2010 that the Lord opened my eyes of like, look at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Look, look at what you're doing. And then so for a few years, I was like, okay, I'll go to church. Okay, I'll party. And it was like on and off because my husband was very hurt in the church as a kid. So he wanted nothing to do with church. And, um, so for a few years, I really battled with that until it got so bad in my marriage that my eyes were completely open. My heart was completely softened to be like, Oh, this is where I go in my own power. This is where I go in my own strength. When I'm trying to be who I I think I should be to these people instead of who you've called me to be. Hmm. And the Lord gave me my identity. Like I was in the bathroom getting ready And this was during one of my backslidden moments. And it was like the Lord spoke to me, Ephesians 4. And I'm like, oh, I don't think like that. What? That was totally the Lord because I don't think like that. No. And I went and read it. And that's about the fivefold ministry where he's like, you know, I gave every person a gift. You know, pastors, prophets, evangelists, apostles, teachers. And um, the Lord spoke to me. was like, you're a teacher, Megan. I'm like, oh, wow. And I just remember like in that moment, how that penetrated my heart and how that changed me forever. Because I'd always said, well, everybody has a purpose, Mm -hmm. but I never knew my purpose, you know? So that's, that's why I teach because the Lord told me and he just, he, uh, made that concrete in me. He made that so real to me. So that's why I teach. That's why I am where I'm at, but it hasn't always been easy and rainbows, Mm. (laughs) Well, it, it never is. Uh, you know, I was, I think a couple of weeks ago, I'd mentioned that, you know, I think the biggest misconception that people have about the new faith in, in, in the church is that once you enter into it, everything sunshine yeah. and puppy dogs from then on. And then, like I said, you get hit in the face by Satan mm-hmm. and it deters people because they're like, well, this isn't supposed to happen. Right. But, Paul, you know, was talking about he would suffer for for God because his sufferings here couldn't compare to the glory he gets in right. heaven. Yeah. You know, and I think people don't don't really they'll read that verse but they won't understand it. Mm-hmm. The, that we're going, we're called to suffer. Right. I mean, look at the world today. The world today is not mm-hmm. suited for Christians. Right. It's not. We are people are fighting us tooth and nail every time we turn around. You're seeing uh. Ten Commandments getting taken out of places. You're seeing God getting taken out of places. Uh, people are getting offended when they see people pray in public, and and you, it's not set up for us, right? But God calls us to to keep working, to be in the world, but not of it, right? And and I think it's a it's a very it's a very humbling thing to come from. Like our our stories are very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, very similar actually. And, uh, it's very humbling to see God still working. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, I think honestly, I, I see just by seeing what the dynamic of the church is now, uh, 
I see a lot more of our next generation pastors, youth pastors, evangelists, stuff like that, being kids from our stories. Mm-hmm. Because the family unit's so, I don't want to say scarce, because it's still an impact in the church, but it's not what it was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it's humbling. And I think, you know, like his father, he does a ministry at Worth called RU. Recovers reformers unanimous. Yeah, reformers. Oh, cool. Yeah, and and it's basically uh, drug addicts, criminals, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love. I've been up there. He's had me come up there and speak two or three times, and I love it because I was addicted to drugs at an early age. Mm-hmm. And going up there, like the first time I went up there, he had me just share my testimony, and I did it. And so after I did that, they broke out into small groups. Well, his dad was like, hey, do you want to go sit in on a small group? And I was like, yeah. You know, so I went and, of course, they have kind of like team leaders, group leaders, small group leaders. And it's like he was trying to talk while everybody was trying to ask me questions. And afterwards, I had to tell the guy, I was like, listen, you know, I I did not mean to take over the small group. He was like, no, it's fine. I was like. I think they're just interested in seeing how somebody can actually make yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah. So my dad was telling me about something that happened uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. There's a lady that goes to RU and there because of COVID mm-hmm. we're running no buses right now. And he said that she walked to church Aww. and I was, I was, it was so awesome to just hear that someone that has a background like y'all's that is really struggling, especially with this time of isolation, mm-hmm. she chose to walk. Even though there's no transportation, I don't even, I don't know how far she walked, but still that sacrifice. It's hot in Texas. Yeah, you know? that sacrifice you can walk like a minute and you're like is dying. so amazing to see, and especially coming from y'all's background. Like I remember my my dad telling about when he when you went to um, RU and mm-hmm. just the impact that you had on the guys um, and even some of the women that were in RU and just hearing someone that came out of what they're in. Is something that drastically changed their perspective mm-hmm. on the whole entire RU well, development. And, and I can tell you, as as addicts, when you're trying to get clean, when you're trying to get out of that hole, it's hard to see light at the tunnel. Mm. Because in your mind, everybody else has failed. Yeah. Everybody else has relapsed. So that's what you see. And then the only support system you really have are your friends and the people around you who are doing that. Or so, don't understand it. Yes. They're like, what is wrong with you? They don't understand. It's like this spiritual battle inside you that yes, and you don't really have control the of. The people not doing it are like, well, just quit. It's mm-hmm. that simple. Mm-hmm. The people who are doing it are like, why do you want to quit? That's crazy. Right, what's wrong with you? Yeah. So, like, you're stuck in the middle. You have nothing. Right? Because the people that, that are your family are doing it, trying to enable you. And the people who are not doing it, don't understand the battles you're going through because they're not doing it. So they yeah. don't mm-hmm. understand the the stronghold that, that Satan has on you through this. Hmm. So, and that's why I was very compelled to go speak at RU because I come out of it. Yeah. I should have died. Right. There was a time my sister, I woke up to my sister putting conditioner in my hair, pulling out tangles. Cause I hadn't bathed in two weeks and that's how bad I was at, at 15 years old. Well, no 15 year old should go through that. Right. But I was lucky enough to come out of that hmm. and, and not only come out of that, but be productive in society, but also 
be productive for God. Now I was 28 yeah. when I, when I answered the call, I started helping. Wow. I started helping when I was 23, but I didn't answer call into full-time ministry until I was 28. I'm, I'm the old guy in the league, but I'm the rookie on the team because <laughs> I've only, this is my fourth year of ministry, full-time ministry, but it's my ninth year of ministry period. So but that's still pretty young. I mean, Jesus started ministry at 30, so yeah. you're good. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm good with that. Uh, I can still hang with the teens. Uh, you can ask any of my teens. Like, I smoke them at wall ball all the time. They don't want none of this. But, <laughs> Megan, I oh, have a question ahead. for you. Um, yeah, what's To that? get back um, to where we were. Um, so you said you run a mom's ministry. Yes. Um, so with this whole COVID thing, has what effects have you seen on moms with, I guess, spending – a lot more time with their children have they gone through some of that like depression that um i guess maybe they sometimes will go through or um, has it been a more positive note for that well i have some friends who it's not necessarily because of you know the covid or things like that but just their situation in life their whole dynamic of life is changing it's like just a new season for them that that's been kind of difficult and um for sure, keeping your kids home from having them in school is kind of challenging. Like, I think a lot of us are on the same level with that. Mm-hmm. Even probably dads. Probably dads so more. Like, my husband is like, how do you do this? Yeah. <laughs> like, you would come home and they'd be duct taped to the wall. Like, you have so much more patience than me. Um, so, I think unanimously, like, it's everybody who has children at all that is, I don't want to say, like, falling into depression or anything like that, but is definitely, like, having um, probably more stress yeah. than normal. Irritation. Um, yeah, more irritation. It's definitely a moment where the Lord is, like, refining us yeah. um, and helping us with our patience because he's like, okay, if you're a believer, I deposited in you the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Patience is one of those. Joy is one of those. Long-suffering is one of those. And, like, this is a time where we're all being tested in that as parents of, like, okay, are you going to pull from that hmm. because you have it? Um, so, I mean, the whole dynamic has changed, period, For sure. um, because of the COVID, because now, you know, people who were not homeschooling are forced to homeschool and they're like, look, I never wanted to do this. Oh my gosh. I found out I wasn't a homeschool teacher by this. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. I was helping Jackson with math and I was like, I don't know the answer. Leave me alone. <laughs> I got to go back to school too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't want to say there's been like more despair or anything like that, but yeah. there's definitely been a shift for, for all of us. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, what about, cause you do children's ministry with the church. Yes. Right? Okay. Uh, has, has that ministry seen any changes because of COVID? Um, I noticed because I've been in there for almost three years, I think, mm-hmm. um, with open doors. So I know a lot of the kids, you know, like they've graduated and gone to other classes, like other grades or whatever. And um, so I noticed like some of the kids are missing and there's a lot of new faces. So to me, that tells me that there's more people like, oh my gosh, this world is crazy. We need a savior. Like there's new people um, that the Lord is softening their heart and bringing them in that they're like, oh my gosh, like we need Jesus, you know? Um, So I see more new faces and there's some faces that were typically there all the time that aren't there, Mm. um, which I think is because you know people are some people are still kind of nervous yeah. and they're like we don't understand what's going on so we're trying to be safe or whatever um but really it's it's been pretty full actually which That's is awesome. really cool yeah yeah 
So y'all are, your church is back to full services, Mm -hmm. uh, children's church, Sunday school, all that. Yep. See ours, ours, we started Sunday school back up Mother's Day. And then we just started children's church back up like two or three weeks ago. So we're like gradually getting into it. And now like when we first started doing services, because we streamed online through Uh the whole COVID deal. Well, when we first started doing it, uh, people were social distancing. They were not shaking hands when Mm -hmm. we do our fellowship song. We all wave. And well, now it's like after all this time, people are like, you know what? If COVID's going to get me, it's going (laughs) to get me. If I die, I die. People are hugging and stuff again. So now we've had to split our service <laughs> and go back to two services and just to try and right. limit that. And so uh, let me ask you, what is what has been the biggest blessing of doing ministry? Now, we talked about it before we started recording. You're volunteer. You're not yeah. paid. I can tell you the biggest blessing of mine, and it's not the paycheck. But <laughs> Praise God. It, that's it good. Definitely, it definitely helps. But yeah. uh, what is the biggest blessing of being a volunteer uh, ministry leader. Okay. So seriously, this probably sounds corny, but the best reward is like those kids coming up to you and hugging you, or they're saying something that you've taught them. Like for instance, um, one of the lessons that we were doing, I was talking about being a follower of Jesus, like that Jesus calls us sheep and he's a great shepherd. And so I'd like taught them this song and these two little girls like were home and um, just started singing this song and their mom recorded them and she posted it on Facebook or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. And it was just so encouraging to be like, to see that the Lord is using you, to see yeah. that you're making a difference the in influence. someone's life, you that's know, awesome. because, because the Lord values children. He's like, yeah. if you're not like one of these children, you're not going to come into the kingdom. Like yeah. they're the most valued in his kingdom, you know? So it's just really rewarding to see that you're blessing them, you know? It's just, I don't know. Yeah. I have a heart for kids. I'm kind of like a kid, so. I, hey, that's why I do youth ministry. Yeah. I never grew up past 14 mentally, so I'm, <laughs> I'm right there. And and I agree with, with the whole influence thing. I can tell you, uh, when he was in the youth group, I started this thing where I started wearing, and this was before it was big, uh, crazy socks. Yeah. And so I got him <laughs> I to start doing, doing that. And then we got into competitions. Weekly competitions. Yeah, of oh who wore gosh. the craziest socks. Well, that was like one of the biggest rewards because I had such an influence on socks, you know, but <laughs> that stuck with him with me. And now I'm in like my third generation of teens who are still doing it to yeah. this day. It keeps me young. So I agree. For sure. Uh, let me ask you. Uh, so we, we've heard the blessings of, of children's ministry. Let me ask you, what's been the hardest part of doing so... ministry? Um, probably just that, I mean, you have to sacrifice a lot. Like, you know that, Mm -hmm. um, you have to sacrifice money sometimes or your time with your family or your sleeping or, you know, whatever. There's, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it and, you know, you still have life. So like for me, a lot of times on Sunday, I go to church, I'll teach two services and, you know, you have to be there early. So you're prepared and everything and children can come in. Because, like, if there's no teacher, there's, you know, the kids can't watch themselves. Nobody can go back there. So, it's like, you need to be there early. Um, You know, and then afterwards, I have groceries that I got to go get or got to do this. And then I have to make dinner. And, you know, there's all these things in life that still go on regardless that you're in the ministry. Like, your home is a ministry, too. And it's like, you need to take care of that, too. Um, So, that, I think, is the biggest struggle of just balancing all the things that the Lord has blessed you with. You know, because they are blessings, but just... 
I guess time management and all that is my, my people, biggest thing. People tend to not understand that, like, and especially being on staff, like full-time staff, people have a tendency to think, like, this is our life. And, right. And, and it is, but, you know, when I first got into full-time ministry, the pastor I worked for in Rio Vista, uh, he told me the greatest line that I, I could have ever heard. He said, never sacrifice your family for the ministry. Yeah. And and I've taken that to heart. And, of course, I've been scrutinized for it in the past, not not here. Uh, but it, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It really is. And having to explain to people, uh, this is not my, my whole life. I have a family. I have. Right. And Sundays are, I mean, that's, I call those ticking time bombs because you can just throw <laughs> it up in the air and expect Sunday's going to be a big explosion. Because I'm right there. I've got to be here early. I've got to wake right. up. I've got to do this, that. When we get home, all that. So I understand. Um, let me ask you, because we're, we're in the series of the church. And with this, we're trying to encourage people on how to become the church. Because we yeah. are the church. Yeah, it's not the building. For sure. It's us. Um, what would you say to somebody who's thinking about getting into ministry, helping out with maybe children's uh, ministry or any other ministry for that, what advice would you give them? I say, man, just do it because like, that's not, that's not of the enemy. Like that's a God thing. Yeah. I'd like the devil's not going to tell you, Hey, go get into ministry. You know, like he, he might, you know, try to get you to bring division and things like that. Um, but if you have your heart strings being pulled in a certain direction, just go for it. Jump out, step out in faith. You know, like I was talking to, um, this group of people in a small group last Wednesday and, um, we, we were having this small group thing at church and, um, there was a bunch of questions asked. And one of the questions was, where do you feel called and why does that scare you? And, um, so I gave my answers or whatever. And, um, then this other lady gave her answer. She said she felt called to, you know, speak to people in her neighborhood, but she's scared of being rejected. And, um, so my advice to her was, well, when you step out, the Holy Spirit's going to meet you. He's going to give you the words to speak. When you step out in faith, he will come through for you. He's not going to, he's not going to let his name be blasphemed because of you. He's going to show up, but you have to trust him and do your part. You know, like he told Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. Like, I'm not going to show you what it is right now. I'm not going to tell you everything right now. Just go. And he showed up, you know. So I think that's how it is. So if someone is thinking they want to get in the ministry, man, try it. Like, what do you have to lose? The worst you can do is, you know, not be good at it. And then you'll figure (laughs) out what you're good at and who you are in Christ. You'll find out your identity and then go do that. You always heard that uh, God won't be mad if you just serve him. Yeah. Like he, he won't get mad. Exactly. Yeah, he's a good father, you know. I think sometimes we think, I mean, I struggled with that that concept for years mm. because of a different um, church that I was part of, of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to like make God mad. But that was like not right. That was not no. right thinking, you know, like God's not like that. He's a good father. He's like, if you're trying to pursue me, yay, like you could fall down flat on your face. Yeah. But he's still like, yay, you tried, you know, like he's encouraging. He's good. So yeah. exactly. My my biggest issue with with ministry, with finally taking that leap to do it was uh, I just, I felt like I wasn't worthy of it. Oh, yeah. I think everybody does. Past. Yeah. And, and I just felt like God couldn't use me because of who I was, not because of who I was then, but in the past. And I was like, 
I just felt like, because going to church, you know, the church I go to is a very traditional Baptist church. Um, so seeing people like his dad and, and brother Charles Payne, uh, they're just like upstanding people. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt like I couldn't measure up to that. Right. So God couldn't use me. And that was like the biggest issue I had. And, and that's one thing we've been talking about the last couple of weeks in the study is just explaining to people, like, if your heart's there, do it. Like, God yeah. God can use you in any aspect. I mean, uh, what was it? The director of RU or the, like, founder of it, he had gotten into, like, a car crash with the DUI and stuff like that yeah. and then turned around and built this national ministry. Uh, yeah, yeah, ministry wow. that, like... There's probably thousands of uh, cons and, like... Uh, drug addicts and bunch of just people you wouldn't think would be really come to church yeah are now in church because of that ministry yeah that's amazing. awesome it's so amazing. yeah i think that's one of the major traps of the enemy it's funny that you say that too because that's one of the scriptures that uh the lord put in my heart before i came galatians 6 4 through 5 says don't compare yourself with others just look at your own work to see if you've done anything to be proud of you must each accept responsibilities for that that are yours. You know, like so many times we compare ourselves to other people. Well, mm-hmm. this person was brought up in a perfect home or this person has never done this or that and I've done this or this person is more eloquent when they speak and I don't I don't have that wisdom or whatever. You know, we compare ourselves to other people, but the Lord is like, I didn't make you to be that person. You're yeah, a different right. part yeah. of the body. Be you. You know, I think it's um I think it boils down to an identity crisis like people don't know who they are in christ but it's like you're never going to know that unless you're willing to step out in faith and just do something and seek god in that you know that's awesome exactly what we talked about a couple weeks ago and we were talking about the body of christ and like we're not all the same yeah christ is the head of course but we're not all the same part of the body we all have different aspects we have different uh, uh spiritual gifts and i think you're exactly right yeah whenever we put ourselves and compare ourselves to other people. Well, I mean, some people are just going to be like, I will never compare to what they've done for Christ. Yeah. And like, I look, because I, I really enjoy reading like Spurgeon and George Mueller. And I'm like, I will never have that much faith. But in reality, the Holy Spirit's going to guide you and show you who he is. He's yeah. not just going to leave you astray. Right. And in reality, I, I do have the same faith as George Mueller. Do I take advantage of it, though? That's yeah. the biggest thing that I've been learning as I've been reading about George Mueller. Is, and I think um, yesterday morning, uh, the guy who was preaching at Worth preached the message on faith. And it was, are you taking advantage of it? And, like, are you putting in the faith that you could possibly have? Yeah. And I don't. I, 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 uh, there's a book called the gospel fluency and he starts out and the author, I don't remember the author on top of my head, but he starts out the book. I am an unbeliever. And so are you. And just goes on saying wow. like how often, like we are, we are Christians. We are believers, yeah. but how often we actually don't like put our full faith in what Jesus. Can oh do. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that spoke to me yesterday during the service. I was like, how I mean, stupid I am for trying to think I can do life on my own. Oh, well, yeah. in reality, That's what I learned. Yeah. <laughs> in reality, it's, I'm so it's big. You know, when, when we believe in Christ, we put our faith in Christ. We yeah. put our faith in who Christ is, what Christ did and what Christ is going to do. 
and that's that's part of our salvation. That's part of our justification, our adoption. And we kind of touched a little bit on sanctification. Your full trust in God goes in your sanctification. I had full trust that Jesus was who he was, but when I was 22 and me and my wife were sitting there in an apartment and were overdrawn $200 in our bank and didn't know when our next meal was coming, my faith was depleted in God at that point because I knew or I thought God couldn't put food on my table right now. But there were always something that God would put in our path to make it okay. Yeah. Like, and, it, and a lot of times, and I'm not going to lie, a lot of times it was my mother-in-law. Uh, she would, we would call my mother-in-law and be like, listen, we don't have food. And my mother-in-law would send us $40, you know? And, but it was my faith in God for the day-to-days was depleted. Mm. Right. But uh, do you have any questions for? I think that happens to everyone. It reminds me. Uh, sorry. No, go, go for it, it, it reminds me of the dad who his son was blind, you know, and he brought him to Jesus. He's like, can you heal my son? Yeah. And Jesus is like, yeah. And he's like, well, if you're willing, can you heal my son? Jesus said, if you can believe, yeah. you know, I can heal him is basically what he said. And he's like, you know, I believe, forgive me for my unbelief, like help. Or he said, help me with my unbelief. I think that's all Christians. Like, um, I was talking to my husband about this the other night and, um, this guy just told me the other day, he's like, you have faith. And it was like, Jesus was talking to me and it was like my heart melted. And that's all he said. And I was just like, wow, I felt so honored. Like I wanted to cry at this guy. And I'm like, is that my pregnancy hormones? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what? Yeah. And I was just like, wow, I do have faith. Cause it was like, you know, Jesus said, when I come back, well, I find faith on this earth. And um, I was like, wow, I do. And I was talking to my husband about it. He's like, yeah, he's like, I, I kind of wish you had more Then you wouldn't have to go to the dentist. And I was like, I know, right? But um, I say that like because we all have a struggle in our walk of like something yeah. that we still need help in our unbelief about. And, you know, Doubting Thomas is still in the Bible. You know, you might call him Doubting Thomas or whatever, but the Lord was still faithful to reveal himself to him and mm-hmm. he never condemned him or anything. So it's like, I mean, that's just walking the walk, you know, yeah. it's a process. I tell you, I'll tell you how what kind of faith I'll I, strive to have uh the woman in mark had the problem with bleeding yeah she believed that if she could just touch jesus's robe not even touch jesus just his robe yeah that she would be healed and it, yeah i was i uh, just i just literally pulled up matthew 8 and the story of the centurion and when yeah. the centurion says i'm not worthy uh but if you just say the word my servant will be healed and jesus says i've yeah. i've not seen so such a great of faith in all of Israel. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that is like, I mean, we, we tend to forget how powerful God's word is. Yeah. Exactly. We, we live in a, in a world today. It's like, uh, see to believe, right? Exactly. Like show me your actions. We forget God doesn't have to show us anything. <laughs> right. His word is power. Yeah. Like his word is action. His word is, is truth and love and knowledge. Exactly. And I think the Christian today, we just get, we take it for granted Oh yeah. so much that we forget how powerful the simplest thing of God is. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's so much before our eyes Yes. and we kind of forget sometimes, Oh, we're not supposed to live by what we see. We're supposed to live by faith, not how things seem or how I feel, whatever. Like God is not contingent upon how I feel. Like he's still the same today as he was yesterday as when he made the world, you know? But I mean, yeah, that's just how it is. Like we all have those struggles and doubts. I guess to, to kind of start wrapping this thing up, I wanted to ask you this question. Uh, 
you know, not coming from a church family, stuff like that, growing up, uh, we were talking about a little before, you know, if somebody is struggling with what the church is or quote unquote, what the church is, or instead of looking at what the church really is supposed to be, what advice would you give them about trying to keep them in the boat? I guess you would say. Yeah, that's good. Um, like you kind of referenced earlier, people think, you know, it's supposed to be hunky dory and good. And, you know, I think that people subconsciously think that if you're a Christian, you should be perfect because Christ is perfect. I think that people subconsciously know that. And so there's more judgment on you when you're a Christian to perform and to meet certain expectations and to always be perfect and to always get it right and all these things. Um, but that's not the case. You know, like we fight the fight of faith, like daily, we have to choose to follow Jesus and we make mistakes. We fall, you know, we do things we shouldn't do just like someone who doesn't have Jesus because we're in a fight. Um, so I would just say, you know, look, look for God. Don't, don't let a church or a body of Christians at any church building steer you away from God. Like I have gone into churches and got the up and down look so many times because normally my hair is like a bright color and I have Mm -hmm. tattoos and whatever. And people look at me like, oh my gosh, what are you doing here? Like you're a troublemaker. And I'm like, look, if you think I'm lost, like you should probably preach the gospel to me, you know? But it is so sad because I'm like, I'm glad I'm born again. And like, I know that you're just people. Yeah. And I'm not coming here for you. I'm coming yeah. to receive a word from the Lord that maybe he spoke through someone else that, you know, I don't think like that. Yeah. Um, so I would just say, don't, don't look to people to be God because God is not people. Yeah. You know, people make mistakes. People are rude and, you know, whatever. And we don't always have right theology. Um, but Jesus is perfect. So That's look right. to him. Don't look for a church or a congregation, I guess, to accept you fully or to, you know, jump through your hoops or whatever, like seek God, That's good. you know, because God is so much better. Like yeah. you, you don't want people to interfere with your relationship with God. Yeah, like, that's good. I think a lot of people go to church and there gets to be church hurt, you know, through, through all these different circumstances. And it's like, okay, but that wasn't God who did that because God has good plans for you not to hurt you, you know? Um, yeah. so let go of the offense and pursue God anyway. Okay. That's I good. like that. That's really good. Um, I say we we kind of wrap up on that. I mean, yeah, that's that's ultimately high. Well, Megan, listen, we appreciate you coming through. Thank you so much. It was uh, fantastic. Thanks. Thanks. I would for love me. to have you back on. If, That'd if you're be awesome. Up for it, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different topics we could go over with you. Uh, so we appreciate you taking the time to be with us tonight. Uh, check out her church if you're in the Burleson area. It's Open yeah, Door for Church. Sure. Yes, in Burleson. sir. Uh, go see them. I mean, they sound like an awesome church. Um, other than that, guys, this has been another episode of Project Unify. We look forward to it. We'll see you next week. We love you. Bye. Peace. Bye.